From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. You know, one of the other themes that we mentioned in the week market commentary is about winners and losers. The companies that are more challenged by uh, the pandemic will have some good things to say, but I think we're also going to hear from some of the winners, the company's best positioned for the pandemic. I've seen an estimate from Credit Suisse suggesting 60% of earnings of the companies in the S&P 500 have been unaffected uh, by COVID-19. That's that's really, that's a good percentage. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here, and up on the line up in Boston is Jeff Bookbinder, who I believe, Jeff, you melted over the weekend. Is that true with the 100-degree weather in Boston? Your body just couldn't take it, right? I, I did melt until uh, we jumped in the pool that we got in the backyard. I, I think I've Ooh. earned uh, Father of the Year here by getting the, one of those above-ground pools. Got that thing set up, and that, that saved the day. Oh, well, that's, that's good to save the day. Now, how big is this above-ground pool? Is it one of those little small ones, or is it a pretty good-sized one? What type is it? It's a pretty good size. It's uh, 15 feet across, and uh, gosh, I think it holds something like 3,000 gallons of water. So it's pretty big. Wow. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's good. That's uh, that's good. Some other good news potentially, Jeff, is as I've mentioned over this podcast for several weeks now, my my car, my Volvo XC90, my beloved car. Um, it's been a Volvo for almost seven weeks now, and the rumor. <laughs> The rumor is as soon as this podcast is done recording, I'm going to head out to Matthews, which is about 40 minutes away and pick up the car. It had, you know, a leak and just major damage and thousands and thousands of dollars later insurance involved fights back and forth. I might have my car by the time people listen to this podcast. And let's see, it was a 1969, June 20th, 1969. We put a man on the moon. It is a a wonderful day for US history. We put a man on the moon. And I always said, if we could put a man on the moon, maybe just maybe we can fix my car. And it's sounding. <laughs> it's sounding like a inching closer. So who knows, maybe next week, I'll give an update on my car and the car isn't working again. But anyway, I am not the uh, person to talk to if you want to buy a Volvo right now. But Jeff, you said you have one and yours works, right? Let's just give both sides This is market signals. We like to look at both sides of the store. You like your Volvo, right? We, we had a little bit of uh, trouble uh, with uh, the computer system a few years back, but it's been it's been good since then. All right. Well, hopefully that's my story. A little bit of trouble, and it's good <laughs> sense. I toyed with the idea of immediately selling the car, but I've backed off that. That was all talk, and I'm going to try and keep the car here for a while. Hopefully, it it, it uh, I don't know, gives me a nice ride from here on out. We'll say. But let's move forward, Jeff. Uh, this week on the LPL Market Signals podcast, with lot to discuss. I'm going to do like an economic roundup. Really good economic data last week, if you look at some of the data, but some of that might be a little lagging. Some of the more real-time, high-frequency, real-time data might be showing some cracks, which kind of leads to the whole growth versus value discussion. Big-time outperformance last week on value relative to growth. Growth has done great for a long time. Is it finally time for value to outperform growth? Then we're going to end it with kind of what's on our eyes this week, specifically earnings season. We're kicking off second quarter earnings season, which should be historically poor. The good news is a lot of that bad news in all likelihood is priced into things. So Jeff, first things first, last week, we had again, some really solid economic data. I'll just go through a couple of the highlights, at least in my view. Retail sales up seven and a half percent month over month, better than expected. Industrial production up 5.4%, better than expected. Empire State Survey, that's one of those regional manufacturing data points, up 17 points versus expected to be up 10. 
better than expected. Um, the, the negative is the claims continue to be stubbornly high above one million, initial jobless claims, stubbornly high up over a million, uh, 17 weeks in a row. And also, we um, saw some cracks in the consumer confidence as it pertained to the Michigan consumer confidence. So, Jeff, what do you think? I mean, it seems like some of this data was good, but a lot of that data was kind of as the middle of the month. The second half of this month, as things have started the weekend, the real-time data is showing cracks. What do you think about the economy here and now? Yeah, well, let me let me add the uh, Fed base book to the, the list of positives, right? We, we've created an index essentially measuring the mood of the uh, Federal Reserve base book, you know, Main Street report assessment of, a, of the economy, economic conditions. Uh, and that raised, that, that increased 20 points, which is a really strong uh, bounce off the bottom. So that clearly the economy is uh, recovering steadily. Uh, now, if you look at this high frequency data, there are a couple of data points that look like they might be rolling over. One that makes a little sense is we've had uh, this spike in cases in a few uh, parts of the country is, is restaurant bookings. So we have fewer people sitting in restaurants, certainly it makes sense that that would happen in places like California and, and Florida uh, right now. And we had a little bit of a downtick in electricity consumption after a really strong bounce back. But you know the measures of, in general, of um, movement of people have been steadily uh, moving higher. And that, that's certainly um, uh, a good sign. And then last point on this, Ron, you, you mentioned consumer confidence. So there's two different measures, right? The Michigan University of Michigan confidence number, uh, and then um, there are uh, there's a conference board, and actually there are other measures beyond those. Right. Conference board measure is actually uh, really strong uh, right now, Sur surprisingly strong. So um, we'll wait and see if those resolve uh, higher or or lower here. But in general, you know, certainly based on retail sales, uh, consumer spending is clearly um, well on the road to recovery. Uh, exactly. Let's maybe focus on that consumer spending, that retail sales number. If you look at total retail sales, Jeff, it is within 1% of the high it reached back in February after just two massive, massive drops. Now we've had two really strong months in a row, up over 18% up over 7.5%. I just think if you could have talked to the most bullish economists out there, we were not thinking it'd re rebound this soon. Within 1% of an all-time high on retail sales. Now there are pockets clearly of the economy that are still weak, and we think it's going to take years for jobs to come back and other parts of the economy. But just how shocked are you at how quickly retail sales came up? Out of a one to ten, I'm about a ten. I, I'm amazed at how quickly retail sales have bounced back. What about you? I didn't believe it when I saw that, Ryan. I actually had to <laughs> look twice. I yeah. just confirmed that this morning uh, <laughs> that I was really looking at the number that I thought I was to not only, uh, you know, are retail sales uh, pretty close to where they were in, in, in February, they're actually up year over year. Good point. About 1%, mm -hmm. which is tremendous. So now there's a lot of, uh, you know, canned goods and uh, you know, toilet paper and things like that, that people, you know, stocked up with uh, during the pandemic. Uh, but what, what surprised me, you know, more than just the, the absolute number was when you look at the composition, we didn't even get any help from, online sales in, in June. Now, how, how we got such a strong retail sales rebound with no help from online sales is beyond me. Yeah, you know, as we like to say on the LPL Market Signals podcast, peeling back the onion, uh, furniture sales up 33%, electronic sales up 37%, eating and drinking up 20%, department store sales up 20%, and sporting goods sales up 27%. 
all of those are beneath the previous peak, though, except for sporting goods sales. Um, so interesting, these people have been cooped up. They've gone out and bought some footballs and gone outside and got a little activity, which is this has been a terrible pandemic, no question. But in fact, people are buying sporting goods. Maybe it shows we're getting outside and not staring at our phones quite as much. I know with uh, three kids, and we just drove to Ohio, you know, so you throw them all a phone and for eight hours, they're quiet in the car. And, you know, you just do what you got to do to get through a situation like that. But then when you land or not land, when you get there, you take those phones away and get out and maybe play some sports. So maybe we're seeing some of that. You know, Jeff, along the same lines of, of the retail, the biggest thing you can buy is a house. I don't think there's too much of a question there. You know, mortgages have just been soaring the last couple of months as people put off buying a house. But now they're quickly you know, doing new mortgages. The 30 year mortgage broke 3% for the first time in history. Data goes back over 50 years. So mortgages are mortgage rates are really low. People are still buying houses. I mean, this is at least, I think, one of the first recessions we've ever seen where it doesn't seem like people stop buying houses, right? I mean, isn't that it's shocking by itself also? Well, I think part of that is people are sick of the house that they've been in for four months, and so they're buying another one. <laughs> Good point there. <laughs> right? We've been hearing, you know, anecdotally about, uh, you know, folks buying houses at the Cape. So, um, you know, no doubt uh, housing is one of the areas that has held up best I'm looking at mortgage application numbers right now. We're about 15% higher from, from February. So, you know, really, really strong. Yeah, all, the home builders have done pretty well uh, relative to the market. That That is an area of strength, uh, no doubt. And then we've also seen a lot of folks shopping at Lowe's and Home Depot. You know, when you're stuck at home, you look at stuff that you want to fix up. So um, that's a factor as well. No, no question there. I know in the Dietrich household, like a lot of our neighbors also down here in Tiga K, South Carolina, we've uh, been fixing our houses up. So trying our best to help there. But, you know, Goldman Sachs had an interesting uh, sur- or study last week, Jeff. They said 75% of all the U.S. population lives in states that have either paused or reversed the reopening plans, which kind of leads to what happened a week ago today on Monday. Uh, where we had a massive, massive reversal in stocks as California came out and said they're virtually shutting down all indoor, um, anything to do indoors, they were shutting it and other states have followed to a degree, um, you know, which kind of led to the second part of where we want to go with this, growth versus value. Uh, from Monday's high, there were some major reversals and I've got the numbers here somewhere. There it is. Microsoft down 6% for Monday's high by end of the week, Amazon down 12%, Netflix down 14%. Growth over value, value was up 3.4% last week. Growth was down a percent. NASDAQ was down on the week versus the uh, Dow up over 3%. Saw one stat that the Dow would outperform the NASDAQ five straight days, one of the longest streaks we've seen in years. Is it now, Jeff, is it finally time for growth versus value, for value to have more than just a week or two bounce? We saw this about a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago at this point. And sure enough, growth took that baton right back. What are your feelings right now on growth value? Value needs an economic tailwind to uh, continue leadership. And it's really tough to see that right now. Granted, the, the economy is recovering. Certainly, we're, we're off of these depressed lows, uh, which is clearly positive. But for these stocks to really move over a, a sustained period of time, uh, we need a vaccine. We need better mm-hmm. treatments. We need folks to, you know, get out of their houses more, shop more, go to work more, fly more, all of the above, right? You know, and that's, um, I mean, you know, a lot of the value names are are very economically sensitive, and but they're they're cheap too, right? I mean, value hasn't worked, you know, for more than 
you know, a few weeks here and there for about a decade. Uh, it, it's just, it's been one of the biggest growth rallies since, you know, we started breaking the stock market up into growth and value categories, right? Uh, value is a coiled spring. It's cheap. And if we do get that, you know, sustained improvement in the economy uh, and, and can combat this virus, we, we could see a, a real big move there. But we're, you know, we're a little bit cautious on making that prediction right now. And they're suggesting, you know, balance or a slight uh, tilt towards the growth side. Yeah, as we just released in our mid-year outlook, which we discussed last week on the LPL Market Signals podcast, we have a slight tilt to um, to growth the second half of this year, but there's some good arguments either way. You know, one thing that caught me in the headlines, Bill Gross, uh, the bond king, or maybe he's a former bond king, I'm not sure, hopefully I didn't offend him by saying that, but he came out and suggested value over growth right now due to 10-year yields, real 10-year yields being extremely low and potentially starting to move higher. Um, now, you know, he's also a bond guy. You know, I remember in 2013, Bill Gross said the cult of equity is dead. And that was right as equities are breaking out to new all time highs. So, you know, take it, take it how you will. But some obviously some very smart people are saying maybe value could have its time in the sun. But the, the way I guess that we've looked at it is when you have a low growth environment, like we're, we're going to have a big bounce in the economy in the third quarter. It's because the second quarter was so bad. I think going forward, we're still going to have kind of a low growth environment. And, and with interest rates still likely staying low, um, in our opinion, it makes more sense to be slightly tilted toward growth over value. Jeff, um, let's, let's talk about some really scary things. <laughs> here's, some, here's some numbers that came out on last Monday's reversal. The NASDAQ 100 was up 2% at one point and making a new all-time high. It closed down 1%. The last time that happened, March 7th, 2000. The NASDAQ closed 4% off its highs, also making a new all-time high in the process. Last time, January 24th, 2000. The last one, NASDAQ makes a new all-time high and closes down 2% on the day, February 18th, 2000. So, I mean, I, my take is Monday had some significant, a week ago, had some significant reversals not saying that's the end in growth versus value. Not saying that's the end of the huge run we've seen in the NASDAQ. But it is that the, when I see things like that, it piques my interest. Now, let's be honest. It's N1, right? Or N equals one. One instance um, in a lot of these cases. So it's still there. I mean, what's your take on that big reversal Monday? I mean, you know, it's, I don't know. What do you think about Monday's reversal? Yeah, I, I think it, it's probably the, the first sign that the market is transitioning more toward a value-led market, but that's probably going to take at least several months. Yep. Uh, I mean, it might even take beyond uh, an announcement that we have an effective vaccine, right? Because there's certainly going to be a lot of people skeptical that, you know, we won't have enough doses for everybody day one. There's a lot of things that suggest this, the process of transitioning to a durable economic expansion is probably going to take the entire second half and on into 2021. And, and that's why we're a little bit skeptical that value can just keep going higher. Yeah, well, let's maybe go to that kind of one of the key things needed for the second half recovery or even in the future recovery indeed is a vaccine. Now, last week we had some, what sure seemed like some positive steps. Moderna came out and they had 15 people that took two doses of their vaccine. 
they found that all 15 people had four times the antibodies that from other people that just simply had a regular COVID recovery. Remember, the antibodies are the key thing you want in your system to kind of trick your body and to not get um, COVID-19. Also, we had uh, Pfizer and BioNTech, a German biotech came out, said they have two vaccines that are being uh, fast-tracked by the FDA. So that was positive. And then who knows, maybe by the time someone hears this, uh, Oxford, the University of Oxford and AstraZeneca are supposed to have some results on their vaccine, which is supposed to move to human trials potentially by September. And it's going to say it, it increases the antibodies and works with T cells. And this is one of the only vaccines to do that. Um, you know, Jeff, let's say we get two or three of these by end of the year. How valuable could that be to the stock market and the economy? Oh, no doubt can can help quite a bit. The, the tough question to answer right now is, how much of that is priced in, right? Traditional valuation metrics suggest that stocks are expensive here. Right. We're pricing in a pretty optimistic scenario for economic recovery in the second half. So I, I wonder just how much upside we might see in the, in the mid-year outlook. Um, we did throw out a number of um, north of 3450 for the S&P 500 in the event that COVID-19 is basically wiped out by the end of the year. Um, and that certainly seems like a reasonable forecast, uh, but there's, there's no doubt that the market is optimistic and you know, hopefully we get good news. Uh, but if we don't, uh, we certainly uh, see some downside here. No, absolutely. And who's to say we don't get good news and get a sell-off, right? Sell the news type of mentality. I mean, I know that's kind of contrary to what people think, but if you remember back to March 23rd, when the market made lows, there there wasn't a lot of good news going on. I know this when the Fed came out and kind of threw the whole book at things saying they're going to buy a lot of bonds and just bring back confidence and liquidity. We talked about those two things the very week. And actually at LPL Research, we upped our equity allocation uh, near the end of March as a, as a result. But still, I don't even think we expected the rally that we've seen uh, you know, since those lows. But clearly, if you have some good news, maybe it could finally be time for a little bit of a break. And Jeff, maybe that could be the thing. The final thing we want to talk about is earnings. And maybe there could be some good news. I'll set up high level because you wrote this week's weekly market commentary and turn it over to you. What I'm seeing is earnings are supposed to be down, you know, 44, 40, 45%, give or take year over year in the second quarter, worse since the fourth quarter, the financial crisis, um, you know, things like uh, consumer discretionary and industrials are supposed to have more than 100% losses year over year on earnings. It doesn't look pretty, but tell me why it doesn't look pretty for an earnings season it might actually be what the market wants. Well, this is the trough. Uh, that's the good news. Um, it's not going to get worse than this. And we're going to have a second half rebound. Probably not going to see year-over-year earnings growth in the third or fourth quarters, but uh, that's likely in Q1 based on the latest consensus estimates from FactSet. So we can hang our hats on, on that. Um, it also looks like we're going to get pretty good numbers relative to expectations. So we probably do better than down 40, maybe something in the, you know, down 35 to down 37% range. Now that, that's clearly awful. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been essentially companies kitchen sinking uh, the quarter, getting all the bad news out. But there are a few reasons to think we will get that kind of upside surprise relative to current expectations. You know, one estimates have been inching higher, which is usually a positive signal. Um, two, we've seen really strong economic data relative to expectations, right? When you get positive economic surprises, you tend to get positive earnings surprises. And then lastly, 
um, the, you know, we haven't gotten a lot of guidance, but the companies that have given guidance have given us better news than we typically get on average. It's been less negative uh, pre-announcements, if you will, have been less negative than they typically are. So those are good signs. We think we'll get a much better number than uh, currently reflected in, in consensus estimates right now. And that's obviously what it pays to remember, because historically speaking, you go back years, you tend to lowball it, and the estimates come in better than expected. And once again, the stage is set, we think, for that to happen. I'm just looking at some of my notes, Jeff, regarding earnings. According to the fact set, from the start of the quarter to now, earnings estimates in the second quarter have dropped 37%. That's the largest drop in one quarter for earnings estimates they've ever seen. And their data goes back to 2002. So again, setting a rather low bar with all of those cuts. But one thing I want to dive in a little bit, because I remember we talked about this probably three months ago. We saw a record number of companies didn't even give guidance. I believe it was like 170 or 180. Do you think we're going to see a high number of companies in this quarter that just say, you know what, there's too much uncertainty. We're not going to give guidance. What's your feel for what we're about to see here? Yeah, we're going to get a, a, another high number. We're, we're not going to see a lot of guidance. There's just so much uncertainty in terms of how uh, the fight against COVID will play out uh, that I think we're going to hear a lot of cautious uh, commentary from uh, management teams. We already saw that from the banks last week with the, the massive reserve increases against future bad loans. Uh, certainly the, um, the economic picture is still quite challenged. Uh, now, the you know, flip side of that is we'll probably have a good idea where the floor is after we get through the next few weeks. This is actually a really big week. We get almost 100 S&P 500 companies this week. After we get through the next two, three weeks, we'll have a good idea where the floor is. That should give investors a little more comfort. Maybe that slight increase in forward estimates that we've seen the past several days uh, is a positive sign there. Uh, good points there. And then you, just to add to the confusion as to everything, you look at inflation-protected treasuries, uh, tips, they're doing quite well near multi-year highs. Gold is currently making uh, multi-year highs as well, literally as we speak. Uh, so you've got some some more defensive things that are that are saying, you know, maybe there's maybe a little more inflation uh, coming. And Jeff, we've got like two minutes to go. So let's. what's your opinion? I mean, we haven't seen much inflation, but finally last week, the CPI data came in a little bit better than expected. And the core CPI, after being negative, three, a record, three straight months was a slightly positive. Is inflation a worry, you think, the second half of this year? No, absolutely not. Um, the, the pandemic is a deflationary shock. Uh, and we're still at you know, 12% real unemployment, if not higher, depending on how you right. measure it, right? Uh, even though the official rate was reported at 11%. Uh, so there's a lot of slack in the labor force that reduces the negotiating power of employees to get higher wages. That's the piece of inflation that um, the Fed is most worried about. So we would not uh, anticipate uh, any uh, inflationary pressures, any meaningful inflationary pressures in the second half of the year. Now, if you, with all of this deficit spending, when you get out two, three years, sure, we, we might see a pickup in inflation. But uh, in the near term, until the um, excess in the labor market is, is, is sopped up, we're not gonna have any inflation problem. Sounds good there. And just kind of the piggyback on that, and then we'll wrap it up. You look at the record trade deficits and budget deficits. That's having an impact on the U.S. dollar. U.S. dollar has been weakening. The euro 
is, is with some better economic data out of Europe and some definite positive steps on the steps on the COVID fight. Uh, the euro is starting to strengthen, which is weakening the dollar. And if a, you have a little bit weaker dollar, we found historically speaking, that can benefit emerging markets, a group we like. It's historically benefited growth. It's historically been benefited technology as well and healthcare. So some of those, some of those groups we like, if the U.S. dollar continues to be a little weak here, which is our base case, that potentially is inflationary down the road. Uh, but those are some of the groups that we think we like the second half this year, as we talked about in our um, mid-year outlook last week, and that could be beneficiary uh, to those groups. Jeff, in about 30 seconds, what are you watching for this week? Yeah, I, I think the um, the vaccine news is probably um, going to get the most attention, right? We'll get uh, some more of that shortly here from um, Oxford University and AstraZeneca. Uh, beyond that, it's, it's going to be all about earnings. I think, you know, one of the other themes that we mentioned in the weekly market commentary is about winners and losers, separation, right? Um, so we'll hopefully uh, the companies that are more challenged by uh, the pandemic will have some good things to say, but I think we're also going to hear from some of the winners, the company's best positioned for the pandemic that, um, you know, they continue to do uh, pretty well here. In fact, I've seen an estimate from Credit Suisse suggesting 60% of earnings of the companies in the S&P 500 have been unaffected. Uh, by COVID-19. That's that's really, that's a good percentage. Is it Credit Swiss or Credit Swiss? I, I, I've always said Credit Swiss. Is it Swiss? Credit I don't know. Credit yeah. Swiss. That's what I, I intended to say. So. Okay. Oh, that's, that's all right. Okay. Hey, you know, no big <laughs> deal. After 23 minutes, make one little flub. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thanks everyone for being here in the latest LPL Market Signals podcast. Jeff summed it up, you know, kind of what he's looking for this week. All I'm looking for this week is a car that works. So I'll be sure to give an update next week on how the the Volvo drama has been going and hopefully we're nearing an end to it. So everybody have a great week of the first week of real earnings season. And we'll be back next week with the uh, newest and latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. 
not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.